Friends, we're invited uh, this weekend with the first reading, and especially the gospel, into Peter's spiritual journey. The intricacies of, spiritual, of Peter's spiritual journey. And I think we're supposed to see ourselves in his journey, to see our journey in his. His path from what I'm going to call his spiritual birth, to his spiritual death, and then to his spiritual rebirth. I think that dynamic is at play in all of our spiritual journeys, and it's on full display in our readings this weekend. See, John describes in the Gospel today the third time that the apostles have been in the presence of the risen Jesus. And John clearly wants us to think back to two certain passages when we hear this story. So the setting is not accidental. And if we're an attentive Bible reader, we should have sort of maybe latched on to this. Right? So, so the setting is Peter wants to go fishing, right? And there's no fish to be caught. And immediately, right, our minds should jump to the first time that Peter ever met Jesus. It was on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, one day where they couldn't catch any fish. And Jesus says to him, cast out again, and brings in this miraculous catch of fish. And then he says to Peter and his brother Andrew, and to James and John, he says, follow me, I will make you fishers of men. That's the first day Peter ever met him. That's when he encountered Jesus. That I want to call his spiritual birth. That's where he met Jesus and was so compelled by him that he was, and compelled by the miracle that he, that he performed, that he left, it says he left his father, he left his former way of life as a fisherman. He left all of that to follow this itinerant preacher that he had never met before that day. His spiritual birth. And so as he's fishing and going out to fish on this third visitation from Jesus after the resurrection, Clearly, Peter is thinking about the minute he met Jesus and his spiritual birth. Jesus performs another miraculous catch of fish. And notice that it's in that that they recognize him. They don't recognize him uh, in his visible form on the, the seashore. Right? He's yelling out to the boat. They don't even recognize his voice. It's really interesting. In all the resurrection appearances, no one seems to recognize him in his resurrected form. In the great story with Mary Magdalene, it's not until he calls her by name. It's not, not until he calls her by name that she recognizes him. On the road to Emmaus, it's not until he breaks the bread and celebrates the Eucharist that they recognize him. Right? There's something mysterious about that form. He's talking to them from the shore to the boat. They don't recognize him until, right, until he says, cast out to the deep again. Because they remember that. They remember from the first time they met him what that means, and then the miraculous. So then they recognize him, right? And then Peter jumps out of the boat to go swim to Jesus. And it says there that Jesus is preparing breakfast. I love this image of Jesus, you know, cooking up some eggs. I don't know what they had back then for breakfast. Uh, weird stuff. Like, I'm organizing this trip to the Holy Land right now for students, and I was telling them, like, breakfast is kind of weird over there. It's like olives, cheese, Fish, like you can't order like an omelet, you know, or sausage and gravy. They don't do that stuff. So I don't know what they were having, but I like to imagine a, a meat lover's omelet. 
that Jesus is frying up on the skillet. But it's at a charcoal fire, and we should immediately think back to a pastor. Because the only other time a charcoal fire appears in the entire Bible is that Peter is warming his hands at a charcoal fire when he denies Jesus for the third time. Only two times the charcoal fire appears. When Peter is warming his hands and he denies Jesus for the third time, and then Jesus is cooking breakfast around a charcoal fire when Peter jumps out of the boat to swim to shore to be with him. This is, of course, a reminder of Peter's spiritual death. The fact that in denying Jesus, after his misguided zeal at the Last Supper, remember at the Last Supper, he's obnoxious. He's like, I would never deny you, Jesus. Never. None of us would ever deny you. I'll go to my death for you. And the same night, same day, he denies that he even knows and cowards and fear and the possibility of rejection. He forfeits by his actions his communion with Christ. He needs reconciliation. That he needs the hand of Christ to reach out and to forgive him. So when we see that charcoal fire, we should be thinking about Peter's spiritual death. John wants us, by seeing the fishing scene, to remember his spiritual birth. First time he met Jesus with the charcoal fire, he wants us to think about Peter's spiritual death when he denied and betrayed Jesus. But then we get to see Peter's spiritual rebirth where Jesus gives Peter the ability three times to undo with his triple confession of love. He gets to undo his tri triple denial of knowing Jesus. And we see on full display this beautiful spiritual journey of his spiritual birth when he first met Jesus, his spiritual death when he forfeited communion with Christ by denying him, and then the power of the resurrection, the power of his restoration, the power of his redemption that Jesus gives him in letting him undo that triple denial. And then fast forward a couple months, we see Peter, a different human being, in the first reading. In the Acts of the Apostles, he's unleashed. This power of restoration, when he didn't deserve it, right? We talked about divine mercy last week, and it's, it's God's undeserved gift for us. And when we don't deserve it, and I don't, you know, I, I again, there's a reason I'm not Jesus. Because I, don't, I think I would have held this against Peter for longer. I really do. I mean, to deny me at the, at the most vulnerable moment, I, would, I think I would have held a grudge for, for more than like a week. But this is like a week later. Right? We hold grudges for far less. Jesus is undeserved mercy and grace for Peter here in letting him be restored liberates Peter. It makes him feel like a, a new creation, a new birth, so that already in the Acts of the Apostles at Pentecost and in the early church, he is speaking boldly with no fear. He cowered in fear in the denials. And now he's speaking with absolute courage, unleashed because of the liberating power of God's mercy. That Jesus had resurrected him from his spiritual death and had made him a new creation by the extension of his mercy to someone who didn't deserve it. Friends, I want us to see ourselves in this spiritual journey. I hope you can think back to your spiritual birth. And for us as Catholics, like objectively, 
We might say that's our baptism, but most of us can't remember that, right, if we were infants. Like one of my twin brothers, David, he claims he remembers his baptism vividly. He was six months old. And we always say, David, no, you don't. He's like, yeah, I do. I remember it. And we're like, and his twin Daniel's like, no, you don't. And so we keep fighting about this. But he says he remembers the whole scene. I was like, you probably saw a picture, David, and you remember the scene, you know? This is constant fight in our house. Anyway, that's, that's a diversion. Uh, the point is that we might not remember our objective new birth in baptism, but I bet we, I hope, we can remember a time. I know it, I know like the, it's late sophomore year of college for me when I encountered Jesus in a way that changed my life, right? Like I hope we can think back to a time when we were like, yes, I'm going to, I need to take a relationship with the Lord and with his body and a, and a, a demand to serve others. I want to take this to a new level, our spiritual birth. Like Peter could look back at that day on the Sea of Galilee. I'm sure we can all think of spiritual deaths, decisions we've made, thoughts we've had, um, the lack of love that we've shown, the inability to forgive others, that we, we've, we've, in a certain sense, forfeited our communion with Christ and his body and, and, and the love of others that we're called to. We can think of those times, and we're called to have sorrow for those times. We're called to think in gratitude for our spiritual birth called to have sorrow for our spiritual deaths, right? But then we're supposed to glory in the promise of new birth, that the Lord always, whether we deserve it or not, reaches out his hand in undeserved grace to give us new beginnings. That's what the sacrament of reconciliation is for. That's what the accountability and forgiveness of a friend is for. That's what new births, new creations, restoration when things have been broken. I hope we can see ourselves in, spirit, in, in Peter's spiritual journey. And, and the, the crazy thing is, our journeys are intermingled with the journeys of others. That's why I love John's role in Peter's conversion over these, these couple experiences after the resurrection. If you were at my Easter homily, I love to preach on John runs faster to the tomb than Peter. And, you know, part of the reason I think that is is because Peter's kind of embarrassed for what he did the last time he saw Jesus. He denied him. So he's a little hesitant to go. But, but John runs faster, but he gets to the tomb, but then he stops and he, he looks in, but he doesn't go in. He lets Peter go in first. He waits for Peter, and he lets Peter go in first because I think John knows that Peter needs a moment with the Lord alone. He does that. Right? He was faithful to the Lord to the point of the cross. Peter's the one who needs a moment, but he doesn't see Jesus that day. The next time he gets a chance to be alone is this gospel today. And notice it's John who, from the boat, once they recognize Jesus on the shore, you can imagine, he turns to Peter and he said, it's the Lord. And Peter immediately knows what that means. I've got to go talk to him alone, by myself. And so everyone else stays in the boat like a normal person, okay? There, it says they're a couple hundred yards from the shore. So everyone else is like, okay, we'll just see Jesus when we get to the shore, like a normal human being. But Peter jumps out basically naked, right? He jumps out of the boat to swim to get to shore first because John has pointed out to him right, that he needs this spiritual rebirth. John, John, in a beautiful way, helps Peter to recognize his spiritual death and then his need for spiritual rebirth. Our spiritual journeys are intermingled with each other's. And, and that's just my final word is like for, for those who are graduating, uh, not just from CLP, but this is your maybe last weekend with us. 
I hope in some way this place for four years or however many years um, has been a place of, of spiritual renewal. I hope it's, it's, um, it's helped your spiritual birth. I hope, I hope it's given you a safe community and the forgiving reconciling of Jesus when you've gone through spiritual deaths. And I sure hope it's offered the power and the transformation of Jesus' resurrection as spiritual rebirth. New beginnings, constant new creations, the ability to throw out the old self and to become the new. I hope it's offered that. And I hope you've met other people that whose spiritual journeys intermingled with yours. And they helped to facilitate right, that spiritual birth. Maybe it was a spiritual birth the first time that, that this place introduced to you. Maybe it was primarily the forgiveness and acceptance of a community, even though you were working through a bunch of your stuff. Maybe it was the call to transformation of life in spiritual rebirth. But I hope, because certainly my spiritual journey has been intermingled with so many of the graduating students this year. Right? I've learned things from them, right? and I hope they've learned things from this community of faith. And so let's help other people on their spiritual journeys to be grateful for their spiritual birth, right? to help them to understand the seriousness of our spiritual deaths and the sorrow needed to change, but in most important, to facilitate the transformation and the acceptance of the transformation that God offers in our spiritual rebirth. So friends, let's see ourselves in Peter's spiritual journey today. Let's be grateful for our spiritual birth, that we're here today for some reason. Someone planted the seeds that, that have uh, allowed us, disposed us to be open to a relationship with the Lord. Let's be sorrowful for the times that we forfeited that uh, by our sins, by our denial of Jesus and our lack of love of others. Let's rejoice with the glory of God in his mercy and benevolence when we especially didn't deserve it.